We are honoring our mothers this morning, and so mothers are a blessing from the Lord, and um, this is a fitting close. We're coming to the end of our series, and we're going to be starting a new series soon, but this is, this is kind of a fitting end. We might have one more message when it's Father's Day uh, geared for the guys, but today it is for the women, and I've entitled the message, Seven Qualities of a Godly Mother, and we're going to be looking at second at Titus, sorry, Titus chapter 2, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to chap, Titus chapter 2, and we'll be looking at seven qualities of a godly mother. Now, these are things that we need to emphasize in the church. We need to affirm. We need to stand behind. Because as we have been seeing in our series, that the world is not friendly towards God or the things of God. And one of the things that, have come under, uh, one of the things that has come under attack is the family. And so we want to make sure that we affirm what God says about the family. And here's uh, one of these passages that speaks about it, Titus chapter 2. And as we go through, through it, I think that we will sense uh, some, of the, some of them, there's a little bit of disconnect of what our society says. And so we need to reorient ourselves sometimes and focus on what God says is important. So in Titus chapter 2, it says this, beginning in verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. So here's the, here is the exhortation that Paul is giving to Titus, who is kind of the, the pastor of Crete. But of course, uh, in God's providence, this message comes to us. But this is what lines up with sound doctrine. In other words, this is the truth. These are the things that we need to affirm, to take and to understand and to grab hold of them and not to let go. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. Patience. That's the older men. That the older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Verse 4. Just the first part here. That they admonish the young women. Now, this is, this is the important aspect of the life of the family. So you have one family... And the family is responsible for exemplifying Christ and being testimony of Christ to the children and to each other and so on. But it is more than just what's happening in the family. One family comes together with another family and we have the church. And in the church, there is this structure, there is this admonition from the Lord that the older men teach the younger men the right frame of mind or the right way of thinking concerning certain things. The older men of the church are to teach the younger men certain truths about life. And the older women of the church are to teach the younger women of the church about life and some things that are important in life. And this instruction takes place not only in the home, but also in the life of the church. And so we seek to do that here at our church. We seek to have a... a group of families that have come together by the leading of the Lord where we help and encourage one another and admonish one another in the ways of the Lord. And one of those ways is that those of you who are older teach those who are younger about life. Now this really does not stop. And the reason that I say that is because even me, as old as I am, I seek instruction and help from others because while I don't struggle with the same things I did when I was 20 or 30, I am struggling with certain things now at 50 that I need the wisdom of those who are, have already 
gone through this in order to help me and to instruct me. And so the point is this, that it should never change. We, at, regardless of what age we are, even, even the teenagers can encourage the younger children about what being a godly teenager looks like, right? And then, you know, as we move through the ring. So uh, there are people that I can teach and encourage in the ways of the Lord, the ones that are younger than me. And there are those who are older than me who can teach and encourage me in the ways of the Lord. And that is part of the life of the church. We, we encourage, we exhort, we teach, we instruct in the ways of the Lord. Especially in this world that hates God and hates the things of God. Especially in this world that is doing damage to the family. I remember in the 1980s, I was a teenager, just come to know the Lord, and there was this ministry, Focus on the Family. Has anybody ever heard of Focus on the Family? I mean, they're still around. James Dobson was the kind of the head of the ministry back then, and the heart of his ministry was really to turn the, the hearts of people back to the family. That was, that was what his ministry was all about. That was back in the 1980s. Because he felt back then that the family was under attack. Well, if it was under attack back then, it is just being bombarded today. And the, the idea of the family is quickly just kind of dwindling and going out the window and is becoming a thing of the past that only traditionalists or religious people or whatever practice. That's how bad it is getting in our society. And so here we stand affirming the truths of the Word of God and instructing and teaching one another in order to help us get God's idea into our heads and into our way of thinking and into our heart and to put it into practice in the lives of our family. So here are things. It says that the older women should teach the younger women about these things. So the first one is this. A godly mother loves her husband. A godly mother loves her husband. Now, when we're talking about the family, of course, we go all the way back to Adam and Eve, and God made Adam, and then God made Eve, and he brought them together, and that is what constitutes a family. One man and one woman joined together until death do them part, right? That's how it goes. That's God's plan. That is God's way. And part of the significance of the health of the family is that the mother loves her husband. The wife loves her husband. That is the first thing. And so we know, or we might say, well, yeah, I know the, the, the wife is supposed to love the husband and so on and so forth, but um, that's not always an easy thing to do. And so we work together to instruct and to teach and to help and to encourage each other and to encourage women to love their husbands. That is important for a healthy family. There is a big role to play here in the strength of a relationship by the wife loving her husband. And so a godly woman, a godly wife, loves her husband, cultivates a relationship with him. She sticks with him for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. Amen? And in a world where half of the marriages end in divorce, men and women are not marrying anymore, in a world that is kind of cultivating and propagating that, we stand kind of by ourselves affirming what is true, that a man and a woman should come together and be together forever until they pass on. And so a godly woman loves her husband. Secondly, 
It says in verse 4 that, the, that they, the older women, admonish the young women to love their husbands and secondly, to love their children. To love their children. And so a godly mother loves her children. I mean, after all, that is what a mother is, right? It is the one who loves her children. And so in the health of the family, the love of a mother towards her children goes a long way in strengthening that family. And so a godly woman loves her children, stands by them and supports them, teaches them how to live, instructs them and disciplines them, comforts them, protects them, raises them up in the Lord to be godly and enjoys them. I am so blessed to have a wife, my wife Christina, who loves our children like I have never seen before. I just uh, am so thankful and grateful to my wife who has exemplified this in the lives of our children. Uh, Our children, if they don't know anything, they know their mother loves them. And they have seen that put into practice. And so praise the Lord. A godly woman loves her children. Number three, it says here in verse 5 that the older women are to teach the younger women to be discreet, to be discreet. Now that's an unusual word and it's one that we don't use too often. The meaning of the word discreet is this. It means to avoid extremes. It means to be in control of oneself, to be self-controlled or moderate in one's behavior. A better translation or a good translation of this word discreet that appears in in the New King James Version is the word sensible. So a godly woman is sensible. She is prudent. She is thoughtful. She considers carefully what should be done, how it should be done, and when it should be done. It is related to the word admonish in Titus 2.4, just in the previous verse, where the older women are to admonish. That means to impart this sensibility into the younger women. And so they are to pass on what is sensible, what is prudent, what is wise in instruction and advice. And so a godly woman then is sensible in the way she lives in her family. The fourth characteristic of a godly mother is this. A godly mother is pure. It says to be discreet and chaste in verse 5. Chaste, that word chaste means to be pure, morally pure, without defect. It is used of sexual purity, but even more than that, it is used of moral purity in general. In other words, you look at a godly mother and she will not be one who is characterized by sinfulness. She is pure. And so we talk about this Uh, purity in our mothers, and this is part of the uh, way that they witness and give testimony to the children. When the children look at at their mother, they count her blessed because she is pure and modest and chaste. This word actually is related to the word holy. She is holy or set apart from the rest of the world. And so a godly woman is morally pure. Fifth, It says in verse 5, to be discreet or sensible, to be chaste or morally pure. And the next word is homemakers. Now, this word homemakers, it's kind of carries a lot of baggage with it in our culture and society. And so I think a better word for homemaker here would be a home builder. And this is one of the places in which uh, uh, 
a woman might feel insecure in how the world is viewing her and what she is doing at home. But God doesn't view her as insignificant in this capacity. As a matter of fact, as we have learned, building the home is the foundation of a strong family, among the other things. And so building the home, making the home better, building it up, uh, fulfilling the biblical purposes of the home brings into the home and the family and the husband and the children and everybody in the home brings with it a certain security and blessing that is found only there. And so the home is the place of ownership. It is the place of belonging. It is the place of provision. The home is the place of protection and friendship. The home is the place of instruction and influence. And so as godly families, we are to build our home to ser- as the place to serve and to provide all of these things. And the woman's place in building up the home is extremely significant. And so a godly woman builds up her home. The next, the sixth one, a godly mother is good. Now this is a common word in the Greek text here, the word for good. It's a It appears everywhere. But in this context, it probably refers to good deeds. And so a godly mother is one who is known for doing good things for other people. She is kind to other people. She is helpful. She goes out of her way to be a blessing to those that are around her. She is good. She is kind. We actually see some examples of this in Scripture. In Acts chapter 9, verse 36, it says this, At Joppa there was... A certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas, this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. And so this is the same idea. A godly mother is like this woman, full of good works and charitable deeds. Why? Because she cares about her family. She cares about other people that are around her. And so she is characterized by these good works and good deeds. She is kind to other people. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 10 says, The widow is well reported or ought to be well reported for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. And so whether you are younger or old, because the older women are supposed to teach the other younger women to be good, and here we have in 1 Timothy 5.10 that the older women, the widows, are doing this as well, that uh, the, the godly woman is one who is characterized by good works. They just kind of, her kindness just surrounds her everywhere she goes. That is what a godly woman is like. And this last one, verse, uh, in verse... Five, it says that the younger women ought to be discreet or sensible, chaste, morally pure, home builders, good, obedient to their own husbands. Now, wait a minute. Obedient to their own husbands? Now you've crossed the line, pastor. The word obedient is the word for submission here. And actually, submission is a very strong and important Christian attribute. Submission is... Uh, uh, encouraged for all believers, here's how we are to submit. We are to submit to God. We, all of us, we are to submit to God. We are to submit to God's righteousness. We are to submit to other believers. We are to submit to our elders. We are to submit to our civil leaders. 
And so this idea of submission impacts each one of us in several different ways in our lives. And of course, in our passage here, the wife is supposed to submit to her husband. So it is uh, hard to submit because submission requires humility. It requires selflessness. It requires putting someone else before yourself. It requires loving your neighbor as yourself among other things. Submission is very challenging to our pride, but this is what God calls us to, and this is what God calls uh, the wives to do with respect to their husbands. And so a godly woman, a godly mother, submits, loves her husband, and submits to her husband. And then we have the final exhortation here. It says at the end of verse 5, Do these things in order that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Now, all of these encouragements that Paul gave to Titus were things that were needed back then. But the same encouragements that he gave to women back then are the same encouragements for us. They are timely. And it is that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, what is is this? How, How in the world could our not yielding to these things, these instructions, Um, blaspheme or cause the word of God to be blasphemed? Well, because if the word of God says, be like this, and we are not, we are showing that we have no respect for the word of God. If we say that we are Christians, and we say that we love God, and we say that we are willing to do whatever God wants us to do, and then we come across some verses that are hard for us to do, and we say, well, you know, that doesn't apply to me then uh, we are kind of showing our disdain for God's word. Instead, what we ought to do is embrace the things of God. We ought to adjust the way that we think and feel about things, and we ought to walk in his ways. We are Christians, and we should expect that the way that God calls us to live is going to be different than the way the rest of the world is living. And we should not be ashamed of that, and we should not back away from that, because if we do it God's way, we will be the most blessed that we could ever be in life. We will be the most satisfied we could ever be in life. God's way is not just the best way, it is the only way to live a satisfied and full life. We're not just expressing our opinions, but God is the one who created us. God is the one who set us and established us in this way, and he has instructed us how to live. His way is the only way. And so we live by God's word. We don't want to dishonor God in any way. We want to honor him, even as we honor our mothers, because they are mothers, because God has made it like that, and we can turn to them and be thankful for what God has done through the lives of our mothers in our lives. So praise be to the Lord. Thank you, mothers, for being mothers, as God has given you grace and blessing, and may you experience the fullness of life through what God has called you to do. At this point, I would like for us to 